Good morning, New Life. Uh, I come to you this morning, um, and man, I just want you to know that we miss gathering as the people of God. Um, And so uh, please know that we, as uh, the pastoral staff here, and just that we're praying for you, that we love you, and that we long for the day that we get to get back together uh, and worship corporately in one place. Um, However, with everything going on and everything that's been said, it looks like that's been pushed back, and it's going to be a little bit Uh, longer, so I'll go ahead and kind of give you the game plan for next week for Easter. um, We are just going to kind of do uh, a little bit bigger um, uh, morning service here online uh, that you can view, Uh, so we'll have more of a full band and uh, do some things like that as we look at the Easter story and we celebrate together with the Easter story. Um, I know Ashley and her uh, uh, leaders there have been working tirelessly uh, to do some things for the kids and just love on them and and present some things to them. I know the, the thing that they've got coming up uh, this coming week, uh, the Easter egg hunt that they're going to try to bring to your kids is something that they are super excited for and maybe just a way that we can uh, still let your kids know that we're connected somehow, some way, and that we're praying that we love them. And so um, so those are kind of the game plan. And again, we'll just, uh, we'll just be canceled indefinitely uh, until we get better news or we know more uh, of what's going on. And so, um, but this week we are going to look at Palm Sunday. And so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and grab those. If you want to open those up this morning and follow along. Um, we're going to be in Luke chapter 9, starting in verse 51, uh, and then we'll, we'll just stay in the book of Luke this morning and, and look at some things. And so uh, I just want to look this morning uh, at, for just a moment at what uh, the church celebrates as Palm Sunday. And, and so today is the day in the church here where we traditionally um, uh, look at the entrance of Jesus into Jerusalem for the very last week of his life. As the cross is very near uh, and the resurrection is on the horizon. And so it's an event with uh, great insight, but there's also great misunderstanding. It's, it's an event that has some great insight, some things that we can learn, some things that we can see, some things that we can come to understand who Jesus is better. But it's also an event that has a lot of misunderstanding. The way it's viewed, the way uh, the people celebrate uh, with a selfish heart, some things that they're hoping for and wanting and some selfishness that's revealed in man in this event. And so there's great insight as well as uh, great misunderstanding. And so the great insight that we're going to see from the scriptures this morning is this, is that Jesus really is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. He truly is the Messiah, the Savior, the son of David, the long-awaited ruler of Israel, the fulfillment of all that God has promised. That's exactly who Jesus Christ is. But the great misunderstanding is that he would uh, enter Jerusalem by his mighty works, take his throne and make Israel free from Rome finally, and that he would rule in a way that the people would want and enjoy. But what we know from the story is that it's not going to be that way. It's not going to be that way at all. He would take the throne, but it was going to be voluntarily through suffering, through dying, and then resurrecting. That's what we will see take place over this week as we look and understand this week to be Holy Week. And so it just breaks my heart as I've looked at this story and as I've read and prayed this week. It breaks my heart for the people in that moment, but it also breaks my heart for the people today. Because we're really not much removed, we're not, not much different than those in the story and I believe that you'll see how that kind of plays out as we continue to walk through this, but how they, they, they miss who Jesus is and what he is doing. It breaks my heart that we live in the world and the exact same thing happens. 
Uh, so as I was reading, as I was studying this week, I, I came across a very interesting story. I think a story that will uh, uh, kind of set up really what we're going to look at this morning in the scriptures. And it's uh, a story that takes place back in December of 1903. And so there's uh, many attempts that had happened. And I don't know if you're familiar with the Wright brothers. You've got uh, Orville and you've got Wilbur. And uh, what is happening is they're trying to fly. They, they want to fly. They've created this plane and they're trying to fly. And so finally they have the successful attempt that they've wanted to get in their flying machine. It gets off of the ground and it gets up in the air and they, they fly. <clears throat> and so excited over this accomplishment, what they do is they telegraph, uh, send a telegraph message to their sister. And this is what it says. This is what, this is what the message says. It says, we have actually flown 120 feet. Sis, we will be home for Christmas. And so their sister hurries to the local editor uh, of the newspaper and shows him the message, gives him the message to look at and to see this message from her, her brother. She's excited at it. And he glances at it and he looks at it and he says, man, how nice. That is awesome. Uh, your brothers will be home for Christmas. It, it, the whole message, and that's what he picks from. That's what he sees in the message. And he totally, totally misses the big news. Nobody has ever flown before. And what happens? The boys have flown. The Wright brothers have flown. But the editor misses it. He misses the message. The first time in human history man had ever flown, and he was excited they were coming back for Christmas. And so my hope for us this morning as we look in, as we dive into the story is that we'll feel the weight and we will see what really took place on that day as Jesus makes his final ascent to the cross. And my hope and my prayer is that we don't miss what happens. We're not like the editor of that newspaper and we, oh, that's great, your brothers will be home and miss what they've accomplished. And so my hope and my prayer is that we will say, oh, that's cool, Jesus is there and, and miss who Jesus really is and what he's trying to accomplish. So I'm going to ask you this morning if you would join me as you gather around your TV or uh, your computer or your device, if you would join me as we pray. Um, and we're just, we're just going to ask God to just bless the reading of his word, to bless um, and move in a mighty way to help shape and mold us into the image of his son. So if you join me as we pray. Father, we love you. Lord Jesus, we need you. Father, I ask God that you would just make your presence known. God, you're doing a work right now. Even though we can't see and we can't understand fully what's going on, God, we know that you still sit on the throne and God, in the chaos and the craziness, and God, in the longing of our heart to be together as family, Father, we know that you're doing a work. And Father God, I just believe that this reminds us of many a thing, one that we need to slow down. It's good to push pause from time to time, God, that we need to slow down, God, that we need to, to focus in on you, God, that we need to press in and, and come after you, God. And God, it reminds us also that the church is just not a building where we gather, God, that we can still be the body in spite of being gathered at a certain location every week. So Father, help us live out what it means to be your people. And God, we get to gather online like this and we get to open up your word. Father, we get to gather in our homes with our families and open up your word. So God, shape us and mold us, Lord, by, the, uh, by your word this morning. God, may the Holy Spirit through this move and speak and make your presence known. God, just do a work in the hearts of the people. God, we need you. We desperately need you. It's your name we pray. Amen. So to kind of set the stage of this triumphal entry of, of Jesus coming into Jerusalem, I want to look back at Luke 9.51 before we go further in the story. And this is what the scriptures say. Luke 9.51 says, When the days drew near... 
for him to be taken up, he set his face to go toward Jerusalem. So this is a very important text because at this moment, something seems to change in Jesus. At this time, something seems to change and happen. And so from this point on uh, in the scriptures, what we see is Jesus focused on a direction that's going to take him to the cross. It's going to take him to be the sacrifice for us. And so this is the very turning point in Jesus's ministry. Everything begins to shift and change for one purpose alone, and that's to get Jesus to the cross. That's to get Jesus to pay a price for us that we could never, ever pay. So, so after this, uh, after this uh, here in Galilee, he's no longer really in one place for very long. He doesn't reside here in Galilee anymore, uh, but he's traveling, he's moving around. And so he'll eventually go to Jerusalem a few times for the feast, but those are just brief visits, just real quick visits as he goes there. They're only interludes that would eventually lead to his final journey to Jerusalem for the very purpose of laying down his life. And so we see here in Luke 9, that change in Jesus. So let's fast forward in the story a little bit to Luke 19. Flip over to Luke 19, starting in verse 28. <clears throat> Luke 19, 28. This is what God's word says. It says, and when he said these things. So I think we need to know a little bit of the backstory here for a moment. Whenever we, we see this scripture jumping into the middle of Luke like this, what were the things that Jesus said? What does this mean? Everything leading up to this. And so as, uh, as the work of Jesus came to what the disciples hoped to be the climax here in Jerusalem, uh, they thought a successful worldly type of uh, revolution was about to take place that would lead to the kingdom of God being established. And so what we see leading up to this, Jesus just finishes teaching and telling this parable of the 10 minutes. And, and so, so minas are just a measure of money that is equal to a little more than three months' salary. So he tells them this parable with men is in this, this, this picture he's trying to paint. And so the parable that Jesus tells here was intended to correct their hearts. The disciples' hearts were even looking for self-gain. And so Jesus wanted to correct that. And he warned them that the Messiah was going to be rejected. That the Messiah was going to be rejected. And that there would be a period of time where, where he would be absent. He wasn't going to be with them any longer. And so he tells this parable to kind of try to correct that and to show them that. And in the time of his absence, especially in this prayer, what he points to is this, is that his followers need to engage in faithful service. In his absence, believers still need to engage in faithful service, being obedient, following uh, the things that he said, modeling the way that he lived. Very much similar as to today, we still need to model faithful obedience to Jesus. In his absence here, we've got the Holy Spirit living in us and he directs us and he guides us, but we still need to be obedient to Christ, though he's not physically here right now. And so all of this is what he teaches in that. Now to jump back into the story, Luke, Luke 19 here, verse 28 says, and he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. And so this is his final ascent to the holy city. This was the last leg of the journey that began over in Luke 9 that we just read leading up to this. Verse 29, he goes on, he says this, when he drew near to, uh, to Bethpage and to Bethany at the, moment, at the mount um, that is called Olivet, he sent two of the disciples saying, go into the village in front of you where, where, you, where on entering you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat yet. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? You should say this, the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent went away and found it just as uh, he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owner said to them, why are you untying this colt? Verse 34, 
And they said, the Lord has need of it. And they brought it to Jesus and throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. And as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. So what we see here is Jesus sent two of his disciples out to get this colt, which no one had ever ridden. And this was fitting for like a royal entry. This is a big deal. And so the disciples, well, they put their, car, their, their garments on the colt. They put it out on the way to make, make the path, to make the, the direction that he would go. And they put all their garments out while they do that in respect and honor of who Jesus is. It's a picture of the coming king in Israel. And so Jesus comes. How does he come? What we see in the scriptures is Jesus comes in meekness. Jesus comes in humility, just as Zacharias has foretold. And so despite the joy and the praise of the disciples, Jerusalem still does not receive its king. Jerusalem still does not understand the depth and the weight of what's taking place in this moment. And so the story goes on in verse 37. As he was drawing near, already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen. And so Jesus had already made a name for himself. It had already gotten out. The people knew and were aware. They, they, they had heard of the miracles. They had seen the miracles. They had experienced the miracles. And what happens? They remember them. Like they remember the time that Jesus had healed the person with leprosy. How with just a touch. That he had made the blind see and the deaf hear and the lame walk. They were familiar with those stories, those miracles that Jesus had performed. How he commanded the unclean spirit to come out. And the unclean spirit came out. That they knew of those stories. How he'd stilled the storm and he had walked on the water to the disciples. The word had gotten around and they were so aware of all that Jesus had done. How he turned the five loaves and the two fish went into a meal that fed over thousands of people. They were familiar with all that Jesus had done, all of those miracles. And so as Jesus entered Jerusalem, they knew that nothing could stop him. They knew and they were waiting for that moment when the king would arise and he would rule with an iron fist. That he would rightfully put his people back in their place of prominence. I mean... They knew that he could roll up and he could just speak to Pilate and he would perish and that, and that the Romans would be scattered. The Romans would bow and worship and, and, and want nothing to do to overthrow him. See, the crowd was excited, but they were also blinded by what they wanted. They were also blinded by their selfish desire to be in a position that God had never intended for them to be. The story goes on in verse 38 saying this, saying, this is what the crowds, this is what the disciples are saying. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. See, Jesus was a king and not just any king, but the one who uh, was sent and appointed by God. That's who Jesus is. See, they knew how Isaiah described him over in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 7. As, as, the, as the prophet Isaiah says this, all the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it, to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. See, Jesus is over the universe, the never-ending kingdom. Uh, his never-ending kingdom is how backed by the zeal of God. Here, the king of the universe who rules today, church, who rules today over the nations, over the galaxies, even over the current situation of our world. That is who Jesus is. Continues on the story in verse 39, it says this. 
And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, teacher, rebuke your disciples. And he answers and says this, I tell you, if they were silent, the very stones would cry out. See, Jesus knew what was happening. Jesus knew what was going on. See, the Pharisees were going to try to have the upper hand, try to get the upper hand. He knew that the people would be fickle in their hearts and would follow the leaders. He was aware of that. He knew that he would be rejected and he would be crucified. And within a generation, the very city would be wiped out, wiped away, obliterated. See, verse 43 says this as the story continues on. It says, For the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground, you and your children within you. And they will not leave one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time of your visitation. See, God was amongst the people. God is amongst his people. How? In Jesus. Because Jesus is God. He does it through Christ. He came to his own. And what does the scripture teach? That his own did not receive him. His own did not want anything to do with him. See, they did not know the time of their visitation was upon them. That he was there. See, they had missed all that took place because they were so focused on preconceived desires. They wanted a king that would rule the way that they thought. And so what happens? They stumble over the stumbling stone. The builders rejected the stone and they throw it away. And Jesus saw this sin and this rebellion. And he saw this blindness that was coming. And how does Jesus respond to this? Man, we, we get to see a picture of Jesus in this moment. Man, man, his humanity, his godness, we get to see how he responds to the reality and the weight of the moment that's at hand. Let's look in verse 41. This is how Jesus responds. And when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it, saying, would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. And so Jesus is so moved. Jesus is so broken over the significance of what happens here in this moment, in the story, that he begins to weep. He is broken over what's happening at a very, very deep level. He's broken over the fact that the people miss it. That the people miss completely what's happening right before them. I mean, he's just broken. He's hurt over the fact that the people don't understand, don't get, could care less who he truly is. And they've got their own preconceived notions and desires within them. It, it makes me think of this story back whenever um, I was just a boy in seventh grade. I, I was just a young man in seventh grade and I ended up having this conversation with one of my classmates. And I just believe this conversation, uh, God used this conversation in such a way in my life that has really just gripped me God has allowed it to really shape and mold me in a couple of ways. Like I said, it's, it's gripped me. I, I believe he's used this conversation to kind of, uh, to show me the great need to share the gospel. And then also I believe he's used it to, um, to give me a greater passion to tell people about him. To, to kind of see the condition of man separated from him. And so I had this opportunity in, in class. I can't remember what it was. We were in an English class and we're sitting there and uh, we're having this conversation. We get to talk and for whatever reason, I, I can't even remember why, but in that moment, God allows me to talk about Jesus for a second. 
And so I start to just share with my friend a little bit about Jesus and, and who he is and what he's doing in my life and things like that. And then I get to talk about church and kind of uh, brag a little bit about church and what was going on in our church. And as I think about this this week, as I was thinking about this conversation, it's still, it's still a moment in my life that still haunts me. And so as I share with him and tell him of those things of church and of Jesus, his response, I just don't believe that. I mean, he looks me in the eye and he just says, ah, that's, that's, I just don't believe that. As a seventh grade kid, what do you do with that? I mean, I was taken back. I mean, I had no response. I didn't know what to do. I'd never been discipled past that. You just tell people about Jesus. Everybody needs to hear, but what do you do when somebody rejects what you have to tell them? What you have to say? And so I didn't know, and especially as a, as a seventh grade kid, I didn't have a clue. And so I can remember feeling devastated. I mean, I, mean, I, can, I mean, it's, as I said, it's a, it's a conversation that's still fresh on my heart years after it's happened. And so I felt devastated, and it wasn't because I was rejected or dismissed, but because of what it meant for my friend who wanted nothing to do with Jesus, who wanted nothing to do with him. I guess for the first time that I can remember, I kind of felt that eternal weight. Do you know what I'm saying? The reality of what happens to my friend if he crosses from life, this life, to eternity. What that means for him, separation from God, separation from love. I mean, horrific judgment upon his sin as a seventh grade boy, lost and in need of a savior. And I have the opportunity to share a little bit about the savior and he rejects, wants nothing to do with. And so as I read this and as I think about this and as this crowd is here, I mean, I can't even begin to imagine what Jesus is feeling in this moment. As he sees all these people celebrating, all the while knowing that just in a few short days that they were going to reject him with cries of crucify. We want nothing. Crucify him. Crucify him. We want nothing to do with him. Off with him. Be done with him. The very ones that are cheering in the moment are the very ones who are hurling awful words at him at the end of the week. And even what we know about the story, even his closest are going to scatter and be nowhere to be found. So to close this morning, as we set our eyes of Holy Week toward the cross and toward the resurrection of Jesus, Maybe rather than seeing Jesus' triumphal entry for what it was, a fulfillment of prophecy, many were concerned with keeping their own power and authority, so much so that they missed the Messiah being there with them. They missed the one that they so desperately needed in the midst of hoping and wanting what they wanted. So I guess my question for you is this, how many times have you missed something because you were focused on the wrong thing? Or maybe you were consumed with something that wasn't that important. Or maybe you just wasn't looking at what was happening. I know I struggle with this from time to time. I'll get hooked on something and I'll miss everything else. 
I'll get hooked and I'll be engaged on one thing. As I'm engaged on that one thing, I'll miss the other things around me. Like the other day I was watching TV. And I don't know for whatever reason, whenever like, I start to watch TV, man, like, I, just, I get fully immersed in that. And, and I don't know if it's because I'm a guy or what the deal is, but like, like two seconds and I'm hooked. I mean, like, we can be halfway through the movie. We can be three-fourths through the movie. And, and, and like two seconds and I'm gone. Like if I just gaze at the screen for a moment, like I'm done for. Like I'm fully in. I don't even need to know what the plot is. I don't even know what's happening. Uh, before all of this, all I know is, man, I'm, I'm engaged in the action and what's happening. The characters have just sucked me in. And so for whatever reason, I was, I was watching TV the other day, and I'm sitting there, and, I'm, and, and it happens. I mean, it just happens so quickly to me. And so I'm, I'm just engaged in what's going on as I'm sitting there watching the TV. I'm unaware of anything else that's happening. And, and so my wife's really quick, Scott, Scott, and she, like, she shakes me. I'm like, what, 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 what's going on, what, what, what's happening? She's like, did, did you really not hear? I said, hear what? She's like, Brody, he's been calling your name. I said, really? She's like, yeah. I said, I didn't even hear it. She's like, but you were just watching that for two seconds. I said, I don't know what happened. I was just so engaged. I was just so pulled in, sucked in by whatever was happening that I, that I missed the fact that my, my oldest boy needed me for something. And he was trying to get my attention and it still wasn't working. And so in our fast-paced world, it's so easy to trade the important for the momentary. And see, Jesus wants to enter our lives and be the main point of everything in it. He wants everything to focus around who he is, every aspect of our life. And so are we missing that because we're so focused on something else or maybe not even paying attention at all? This was he happening in the story. I mean, the crowds, the disciples, the people there were focused on what they wanted and they missed who Jesus was and what he was doing. So maybe this week, maybe this week in this crazy situation that we're in in our world that's unprecedented that, that none of us has ever been a part of before and we're trying to navigate and figure out what to do so just maybe this week in this moment in this day maybe we can unplug a little bit maybe we can step away from social media for a while and spend more time praying maybe spend some more time in God's word reading the scriptures Maybe taking and pulling our kids off to the side and telling them about God and what this time of the year really means to us and our faith. Or, or maybe we can get outside of our home in our neighborhood and we can knock on a door and be like, hey, Mr. and Mrs. So-and-so that's, that's maybe a little bit older, have some underlying uh, health issues. Maybe we can go to them and we can say, hey, is there anything that I can do to help serve you? Can I cut your grass? Can I go get you some groceries? I mean, can I do something for you? Maybe we can focus in this week, the week that we celebrate Jesus coming into Jerusalem as the king. Maybe we can disengage from all the other things that takes our focus off and our attention off of. And so my hope is that we don't miss Jesus this year with all the distractions that are buying for our attention and that we focus in and we engage in who Christ is and what he's done for us. So my hope and prayer for you this week is that you'll be more aware, more in tune with who Christ is and what he's done for you. Don't be like the crowd and miss who Jesus is and miss the whole point of the story. So may you be blessed this week. May God use this as a time to help you refocus and draw you in all the more. 
Thank you so much for tuning in this morning. I can't wait to next week that we get to celebrate together this way through, um, through our online services. But we're going to celebrate like crazy the reality of the risen Savior. And so though we're not gathered together, we still get to celebrate in a big, big way as church family. May you have a great week and may God bless you. See you next week.